Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Have You Seen the TV Review Podcast with me, Peter Fincham. And me, Mariella Frostrup. So, since we were here last week, uh, as, as regular listeners will know, uh, Mariella, you've been all the way to New York and back, which creates, by my reckoning, two serious television watching opportunities, <laughs> two seven-hour flights. It certainly was on the way out. I have to say that on the way back... Um, I, I slightly keeled over. Um, <laughs> but actually, I had two hours to waste at the airport. So I used that as viewing time as well. I'm afraid to say that I did absolutely no research whatsoever for the programme. But you'll be thrilled to know that you did influence my viewing choices. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Tell us more. Faint praise. Because the newsreader, which I, I, I sort of thought I quite liked, if you remember, and I said, oh, yeah, I might watch a bit more of that. I thought, well, I'll give it a go. And then realised that, of course, that there's Series 1. And I, I thought, well, I'll look at Series 1. Series 1 is brilliant. OK, well, that's Absolutely that's brilliant. a good tip to me because I'm going to go back because yeah. I haven't seen it. Highly yeah. recommend going back. It's actually laugh out loud funny. Um, but I was very frustrated, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, because I put on my iPad, sat there, started watching, watched the first two episodes, and then realised that the third one hadn't downloaded. Mm. And, obviously, it's on BBC iPlayer, so you can't use it. And you were at 30,000 feet. 30,000 feet. But even, well, they've got Wi-Fi now, but I'm sure it's not strong enough to download. But also, I couldn't download it when I was in New York either, despite the fact that I was desperate to watch more of it. So, thankfully... I'd also recorded Fowder, two series of it. I got through one and a quarter on the flight out. I just didn't stop. I kept thinking, I should stop now and have a little snooze or a little, and I just couldn't let go. I felt like I now know what Ramallah looks like and what the West Bank looks like and the tension that's going on. And actually, more than anything, I'm so surprised that it's made by an Israeli production company and it's you know it's an Israeli project because I think it's incredibly balanced. By the way for our listeners who don't know Fowder it is a highly dramatic thriller set in Israel about the conflict between Israelis and and the Palestinians well and the and and Arab Israelis because it's not set in Gaza but it dramatizes the underlying conflict and it tells it from both sides. 
I've been a bit of a Fowder bore for the last two or three years saying to people, oh, you've got to watch Fowder because it's edge of your seat television. I'm fascinated to know, did you feel in any way uncomfortable watching it at such a terrible time in the Middle East? Or I think you've already answered this. In some ways, it tells you a lot about that world. Now, it does tell you a lot about that world, but it is ultimately made by it's an Israeli production made by brilliant Israeli creative team. I wonder if you were on the other side of that divide, whether you would say, whether you take the same view. There are two questions there. One is for people on the other side of the divide, which I definitely don't feel in any way qualified to answer. But the one for me was, no, I didn't feel uncomfortable. I think that what it did was it lent context to something that's in the headlines. And I think that they've done it very well. Is it my only guide to what's happening in the Middle East? Absolutely not. But I think that it's very, very interesting in terms of how it depicts those relationships, how they work. And it's not a kind of good guys, bad guys situation. You become deeply invested with this group of characters, but I think it's very ambiguous in a way. No, and that's I, what I, I was surprised it's at clever. because it's, for, yeah. it's a region not known for its ambiguity. Yes. I mean, I wonder whether I wonder whether its viewing figures have gone up because of what's been going on in Israel and Gaza. I, li again, literally don't know, but it's been around for a while. And one of the things about on-demand viewing and streaming and the is that at any one time, you can go back to things that were made some time ago because they're suddenly relevant today. And that definitely that's true of Fowder. So I, I mean, you, you know, on the simple level of is it a good drama series? I think you and I are complete agreement here. We'd recommend it to people. Watch Fowder. It's remarkable. You agree? Well, I, I didn't. Was there a question? Well, I think that was, no, a, that was a sort of diktat yeah. from you. About, I, I was just having a <laughs> chit chat about what I watched on the plane uh, to New York. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the wider conversation about what drama and storytelling can add to your understanding of complex places and issues is quite an important one because I think storytelling is really important around these issues because we all act as though the news headlines are absolutely factual and give us a very clear fact but you know, you know as well as I do that there is a whole tsunami of, of fake news and biased news and all swirling around out there. So I think every little bit that you take in gives you a bigger picture to work on. And why shouldn't drama do that? Of course it should do that. You know, drama does lots of things, and we're going to talk about three dramas today. They're variously there to to entertain you and to, you, yeah. you know, make you laugh, enlighten you and so I'm on. Not sure, I'm not sure how much we're going to learn about the bigger picture of the world in turmoil from our choices this week. But you know what? With the world in turmoil, it's quite nice to have some good old-fashioned entertainment as well, isn't it? Yes, yes. You never know. We might find one of them as a fundamentally educational series. But I think, OK, let's see let's what see. our listeners think as I introduce them, OK? On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Apple TV's big budget answer to Bridgerton, the Edith Wharton-inspired costume drama The Buccaneers. Not so much current affairs there. Archie, ITV's four-part drama about the life of Cary Grant, may learn something about old Hollywood, I suppose. And speaking of Hollywood, we'll have a bit of Hollywood star power as Oscar winner Emma Stone 
stars in The Curse, which is Paramount's new comedy drama. At least I think that's what we're calling it, a comedy drama. Not to be confused with whatever it was you were accused well, of. Yeah, there was about. another series called The Curse on Channel 4 a couple of years. Actually, I think even as recently as last year, but totally different curse. This is a brand new show, The Curse. And as you say, it's got Emma Stone in it. It's a big star-studded thing. I'm delighted to say that our guest this week is the mathematician, best-selling author and award-winning science writer and broadcaster, Professor Hannah Fry. Hannah, we're so thrilled to have you with us. Oh, I'm not as thrilled as I am to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I could take up the entire first half of the show talking about Hannah's many and varied credits from a Radio 4... It would change from you reading out yours, though, wouldn't it? (laughs) Oh, oh, blimey. (laughs) Didn't get far into that. (laughs) Just loving it in. (laughs) Well, the listeners are going to hear it anyway. From her hit Radio 4 series, The Curious Cases of Rutherford and Fry, to her deeply personal documentary, Making Sense of Cancer, for which, quite rightly, she won a Grierson Award just last week. And, of course, there's the second series of her BBC documentary, The Secret Genius of Modern Life, which is airing at the moment and has been in receipt of rave reviews. But, Hannah, the thing that struck me as most remarkable was the fact you were able to make a hit radio, and I do repeat the word radio (laughs) documentary, all about graphs, surely an inherently visual thing. How how did you manage that? (laughs) A bit of, uh, I'm, I'm secretly a witch. Um, so I've gone in and, uh, and jinxed everybody. Um, no, it, I mean, it was quite a pitch. That was quite a pitch meeting to go in and say, this thing that famously only works visually, I, I want to do it without any visuals at all. But, but I also think that actually there's something beautifully poetic about grass right now. <laughs> Just go with me on this for a moment. Because I think that sometimes when you get the right graph, it's telling a story about the whole... I don't know, like you can have the whole history of humanity in a single line on a page, right? Like there are some graphs which tell stories about who we are and how we relate to one another and the types of things that we care about and the types of way that we behave. And it's all contained within this this shape on a page. And in some ways, I think that that story, the poetic version of that story, feels all the more visceral and feels all the more alive when you're describing it rather than looking at it. And so that was the pitch that that helped me get it off the ground. I love, by the way, really improbable pitches. Um, I hesitate to say this because Mary Ellen normally jumps on my throat for it. But I used to be a channel controller and I used to run television channels. And I once had a a group of people came to me and they were from the science department or something, so you'd understand this. And they said, we want to make a a series about volcanoes. Mm. And we think that to get the audience really interested and make it dramatic, we we want to call it Volcano Live. And we're going to broadcast live from a volcano, I think it was in Iceland, for a week of Volcano Lives. So I said, well, yeah, this particular volcano, when did it last erupt? And they said, 1953. Well, I mean, I'm sure you've got some good ideas, but I think I've seen a flaw in spending a week sitting in a volcano in Iceland that last erupted in 1953. Although I have to say, though, Peter, I mean, those ideas, that they're sort of like choose a topic, no matter how interesting or boring, put the word live at the end of it. It does seem to be a thing in television. One of the very first programmes that I did, certainly the first live broadcast that I did, was called Train Spotting Live, um, which I... <laughs> 
I rather regret having that on my CV. I've got to be honest with you. Live but- is one of the words. There are other words. Secret's another word. Something like the secret guide to Surrey suddenly becomes interesting, <laughs> whereas the guide to Surrey is of no interest to anybody at all. But the minute you put the word secret on the front of something, then people oh, I'll watch it that. It sounds sexy straight exactly. away, doesn't it? Exactly. But speaking of uh, train spotting live, <laughs> uh, did you know that the most popular programme in Norway for about three years was they used to put a camera on the front of the train from Oslo to Svanger and basically just film the landscape rolling by and the whole nation would sit and just watch it. And it was honestly one of the top rated shows in Norway. I don't know if either of you have an exercise bike, like a Peloton type thing. Nope. But on a Peloton, you can basically, because you're you're sort of cycling, and you can... Choose your landscape. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. You could say, I'll cycle to the, from Oslo to Savanger or or anything like that, or some, you know, some beautiful Chilean mountain or whatever. Is that television? We're here to talk about television. I I think that that exists already. I hate running. I hate running machines. But if I could run through a pine-scented forest, you know, that's what virtual reality should be for yeah or or other option you could just go and run through a pine scented forest i mean but you can't do there. that every day of the Not week can you London, because you have to hard. like hold down your job and look after your children and do all those things and it might be raining so, <laughs> so i'd like to be able to go to the privacy of my own bedroom and run through a pine scented forest while i'm there and that's what i want ai to do for me Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with running down a pollution-scented old kent road every now and then oh <laughs> you're clearly <laughs> devoted whereas i'm not First up, The Curse, which stars Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder. The premise is, yes, unusual. Newly married Whitney and Asher Siegel are being followed around by a camera crew as they make a new property development TV series titled Flipanthropy. In the show, they use their real estate expertise to, they claim, help locals in the town of Española in New Mexico. As you might expect, the local community view them with no small measure of suspicion. While filming the pilot for the show, their producer decides to try and get some B-roll footage of Asher being a quote-unquote nice guy uh, by giving some money to a little girl who's selling cans of lemonade in a supermarket car park. But things don't go according to plan. Uh, You'll see what I mean. There's no such thing as a perfect city, but to me, this city is as close as it comes. That's why we're proud to call Española my home. Oh, shit. Our home. All right, you got it. Okay. This isn't your typical home flipping show. My homes are reflecting the local community. (laughs) And we're husband and wife. (laughs) So what could go wrong? (laughs) Let's grab a quick shot of you um, giving money to that little girl over there. We're doing good here. We are good people. Thank you. We're really good. Got it. So all I had on me was that $100 bill. No refunds. That's not fair. Come on. Let me go get change and... What is that? That's nothing. This is, you don't need to see this. Why did you snatch back the money? Why didn't you just give her the hundred? I was going to buy six of them for $20. I curse you. What did she say? As I think you can hear in that clip there, Emma Stone's performance really does manage to capture the worst, most clawing elements of that kind of performative philanthropy. So have they really been cursed or are they simply bad people? It's part comedy, part drama, Part neither. Uh, what did we think? First of all, did we really need to see both the f- the father-in-law 
and the son's penis. Let me just start you <laughs> off on that. Well, a reason not the need. Um, uh, I, well, I'm going to put my card straight at the table. I thought this is the most original thing I've seen for months. Mm. And and I loved it. And, and it made me laugh. But also it had a quality that some comedy has that it made me squirm mm -hmm. and it and I, it was a very uncomfortable thing to watch like if you if you to use a comparison when you first saw the office and you squirmed at david brent because he was making such a fool of himself throughout and this couple played by emma stone and nathan fielder are making fools of themselves they are the very definition of white privilege going into this town Espanola and trying to do good and and tripping up over themselves all the time and it's such a weird it, it's very hard to describe this show I think it's really darkly satirical mm -hmm. and it's really clever I think the writing is so clever and they absolutely yeah. ace this portrait of this, you know, do-gooding, misplaced, philanthropic couple who basically haven't a clue about what they're wading in and actually aren't that nice uh, at all in real life and will do almost anything in order to pursue their ambitions. Uh, but but it's just curious because it, one minute you think it's one thing and you sort of think, oh, yes, dark satire and a little bit weird. And then out pop the mini penises and you think, <laughs> what, where, where did they come from? You're, you're exactly right. This is not, I wouldn't necessarily say it's an enjoyable time watching it always. It's like you really do squirm, as you say, but, but incredibly clever. And Emma Stone is so good. I have such a girl crush on her. Yeah, <laughs> me too. She's absolutely amazing. I mean, one of the darker points in it, I thought, was also that sex scene, which was really like not since Blue Velvet have I seen anything quite that sort of darkly macabre uh, just thrown into. What was what, even going on in that scene? I couldn't work out what was going on except but that I'll they explain clearly... it to you later, Peter. Okay. I, I think we don't want to, you know, totally put off our, our listeners. I'll explain it to you. He's, he's very naive. For a man his age, it's amazing the things that you have to talk him through. I've led um, a very sheltered life. But it's too. funny as well because it felt... Um, like it just captured a program director and the way he's mm. nicking all that beef. Oh, he's so creepy, time. that character. He's yes. so creepy. But I've met so many people in I television know. like him. I think maybe that's it. Maybe there is a little bit of navel gazing going on here as well, because I because I think that having worked in television and knowing the types of conversations that go on behind the scenes, maybe that is where it just particularly resonates uh, in a cringy way. I mean, it just things like the passive house revolution, um, saving the earth one kilowatt at a time. I mean, the lines are just, you know, because basically they're building a kind of eco project for the residents and then they're sort of subsidising their rent just for the ones that are appear in their TV documentary uh, in order to make them look good. Meanwhile, oh, her parents, how ghastly were they? I mean, it just, I, I thought well, it was What, the man is pissing on his tomatoes in order to, and then making the son-in-law eat a tomato that he's basically urinated on. It's sort of really weird and bizarre stuff like that. Uh, I also think that it's going to get weirder because because mm. we've only seen one episode, because only one episode is out, but the curse is going to become a curse. To listeners who haven't seen this, Nathan Fielder, the husband of the couple with Emma Stone, he does something unbelievably crass. He tries to give a $100 bill to a kid in the street, then takes it back. For, we don't need to go into the reasons for all this. But basically, the kid then turns to him and says, I place a curse on you. Hence and, the title. Hence the title. And he laughs and, and so on. But I think 
from what I've read, when we get into episodes two and three, the curse is going to become real. So a, a show that has begun weird is going to get weirder. And I kind of like that about mm. it. And what about when the creepy um, director guy that Hannah and I aren't too keen on, uh, what about when he tries to convince him that they really ought to just give him artistic license because he's really good at making shows? And then he shows, he shows them the, the worst burnt, show ever made. The burnt man dating show, which is just this guy who has to wear a mask and all these women have to fall in love with him without seeing his face. And then when he reveals his face, he's, he's got third degree burns. As you say, it's, it's, it's the darkest satire but I, I mean for me all the more brilliant for that yeah, yeah. I thought it was really excellent it's definitely my favourite show of the week and and it, yeah I think actually you said that the best show you've seen in a few months I, I don't think I'd disagree with you on that Hannah you're witness to a rare moment on <laughs> have you seen when Mariana and I arrive at the same position are you I there as well or will you go and watch it Hannah oh, yeah, it's no, a very... you know what I really think I will it's also a passion project I noticed because it's written by Nathan Fielder yeah he's and, created it and everything and yeah. Ben Benny Safdie, uh, who's the producer of the program, that the one we're talking about, it's written by him and, and Nathan Fielder. It feels very much like a sort of passion project, one of those early things. It feels a bit like, do you remember when um, Goodwill Hunting, mm. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck made that very first movie together? And, you know, it felt like a project, sort of a fraternal project united mm. together. And I think there's something about that kind of freedom to write. I think one just... of these, I think it might be Benny Safdie, was behind Uncut Gems, the brilliant Adam Sandler. Uh, do you, did you see that film, Uncut Gems? I did Gems? see it. I didn't love it, but, oh, but I lots of it, people did, I know. You can see a connection between the two. You can see a connection in its kind of boldness and its, you know, darkly satirical tone to it. I, I think Nathan Fielder's character reminded me a little bit of Kendall Roy, the, 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 son. the older son of, mm. of Logan Roy. In other words, with his absolute misplaced confidence in himself <laughs> his total and utter lack of self-awareness yeah. and you just sort of feel he's going to come unstuck in any situation he is and isn't that isn't that fun the curse is available on paramount plus now if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Let's move on to our second programme, Archie, ITV's four-part drama about the life of Cary Grant, or as he was christened, Archibald Leach. Hannah, did you enjoy Archie? Um, well, <laughs> they've, they've gone for it, haven't they? I mean, they've, they've properly backed it. You can tell that this is a loved child. I, I don't know. I think the story is extremely interesting, but I'm, I'm holding back until I watch more, I think. The thing that... I found quite difficult was I, I wasn't convinced by Jason Isaacs playing Cary Grant and I felt like this was a passion project and slightly a vanity project and I wasn't really sure about the way they cut from one part of his life to the other and the it, it felt a little bit clunky. Well, I'm the outlier here because I really liked it and I really liked Jason Isaacs uh, with his admittedly completely over-the-top suntan. But I looked this up and Cary Grant had a completely over-the-top suntan and spent most of his time when he wasn't acting on sunbeds. And Diane Cannon actually uh, mentions it in the first episode, Di- She does she? indeed. And I thought Diane Cannon, played by Laura Aikman, I mean, interestingly, also a British actress playing an American. It is, in a way, a slightly old-fashioned biopic. Mm. Uh, but I knew very little about Cary Grant. I vaguely knew that he was English, originally came from Bristol. I didn't know about his heartbreaking difficult childhood I mean really really heartbreakingly and then I like the fact that you saw what Cary Grant became a consummately brilliant actor big Hollywood star and yet somehow hollow inside because of where he came from and from his early life the child is the father to the man is lurking in this and I thought that was very well done. It was. It's written, by the way, by a guy called Jeff Pope, who is has been at ITV for many years and written some wonderful things. So, for instance, when I was there, he wrote a three-part a series about Scylla Black called Scylla mm. with Sheridan which Smith. Which is great. Which is great, a very unlikely yeah. and unusual thing to do. He's somebody who has surprising and unusual ideas that you can't imagine they're very easy to get commissioned because a biopic of Cary Grant is not is is not a sort of obvious thing to do and for exactly that reason I liked it because I was learning a lot about somebody I was vaguely aware of. By the way it had the blessing the series of Cary Grant's daughter Jennifer Grant who he had with Diane Cannon his only child and the pair serve as executive producers. Well I think it's based on a book and therefore they've obviously got the rights to the book and they've involved members of the family in the making of it but it didn't feel like a whitewash did it it didn't feel as if it was saying what a great guy Cary Grant it very much made you feel you can be as successful as you possibly could be you know a Hollywood star having 
come from an impoverished background in Bristol, and yet you don't get rid of the demons that stay I know, but I mean, who'd have thought? I mean, honestly, I I mean, there's barely a story about a Hollywood star where that isn't, you know, part of the narrative. I do wonder about that because, I mean, it is in many ways just a very... It's rags to riches. And exactly as you say, Mariella, every Hollywood star that you can possibly consider has like some sort of sad way to like tell that. I mean, I know that the particulars of this story is that, you know, as you say, coming from Bristol, from the very poor background. But I don't know if I agree that it's quite such an unusual story. Is it not one of those things where actually I'm not sure what adding the drama bit to it adds in a way I'd be fascinated to watch Mm -hmm. a really great documentary about Cary Grant and his life and have interviews with the likes of Diane Cannon and his daughter and so I'd love to watch that I'm just not sure that this was particularly illuminating enough or brilliantly conceived enough to make me feel like I was genuinely getting something more than just the sum of the parts. I think I agree with you on that, actually. So in general, the TV that I watch, I very, I I almost always watch documentaries, specialist factual rather than drama. And so I think that the bar for me for drama has to be extremely high in terms of the way that characters are adding something to the story that you wouldn't get from a factual representation. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Well, there you go, Peter. You're outnumbered. I'm very glad you enjoyed it. And I don't think it was dreadful. I just didn't think it was quite good enough to recommend it you know, with both thumbs up. I think that that would be my takeaway from it. And I love Jason Isaacs and I'm very interested in Cary Grant's life story, Mm. Um, but maybe not both in the same programme. Scylla, on the other hand, that one was amazing. That one was really amazing. Yeah, no, I agree. And again, a fantastic central performance from Mm. Sheridan Smith and and all the music and and it. But of course, that took you to a completely British place. It took Mm -hmm. you to Liverpool, the Mm. Beatles, the early 1960s. This is a harder sell to an audience, I think. But but, you know, good luck with it, because I think they do it well. All episodes of Archie will be on ITVX from the 23rd of November. So the Buccaneers, a new eight-part period drama based on Edith Wharton's final unfinished novel of the same name. Don't be cross with yourself if you haven't heard of it. We hadn't either. I think it's fair to say. I won't overburden you with plot, but then neither does the programme. Here are the headlines. At the invitation of a charming English aristocrat, a group of fun-loving young American friends are invited to travel from New York and experience a bit of 1870s London society. They've got piles of new money, but they're unprepared for the stiff upper lip they'll meet when they arrive here. Suffice to say, there are culture clashes everywhere you look. Girls, here is marriages, men, parties. Not particularly in that order. (laughs) But darlings, we always come first. For certain girls of refinement, New York has become too limited. I quite agree. He insists that I invite you and your daughters to London. London. London, London. As very acute listeners may have noticed, that was Mad Men's Christina Hendricks, who was particularly surprised about a visit to London, London. It's being billed as Apple TV's answer to Bridgerton. And it must be said, from what I've seen so far, it certainly gives Bridgerton a run for its money on the corset uh, ripping front and the dripping male hero as well. Um, We'll go on to talk about that. I thought... There wasn't one single period drama that hadn't been chucked into this bucket. (laughs) 
Um, Hannah. <laughs> Bu- Bucketineers, rather than the Exactly, the Bucketineers. Oh, I don't know. I mean, okay, I did watch Bridgerton when it came out, and I actually, I quite enjoyed it. There were some things about it that I that I quite liked. I liked the fact that they had uh, a real mix of characters, that they had used all ethnicities, didn't worry about being factually accurate. I liked that. I liked the richness of it. But, you know, I just sort of think that the reason why the Jane Austen stories, that all of these are ultimately trying to emulate, are so rich and engaging is because it's like the tease without ever getting the payoff. And I sort of think the kind of modernisation of the type of tale that made us so excited makes it not as appealing. We talked um, a few weeks ago about a series called Mamma Mia, I Have a Dream. Mm. And uh, <laughs> Mariella didn't like it. as that snoring sound. Well, I quite liked it. But, but it uh, was it you who pointed dismay. out that at the beginning of Mamma Mia, you've never seen so much grinning and smiling in your life. Every The contestants came in grinning and smiling and rushing around. And then they were shown their hotel rooms and they just thought it was the most exciting thing they've and, and I kind of agreed with that point. I've never seen so much excitement on screen until I saw the Buccaneers when the characters are so excited about life and about going to England and the director must have endlessly been shouting at them, can you do a bit more grinning and smiling, please? No, because they're just young, Peter, and they're full oh, of maybe, the joys maybe, okay, of spring and okay. you don't you don't recognise that. I remember, but I but I can remember being that... young and being rather miserable and morose and thinking, why aren't I getting invited to enough parties? But well, not that, the people Peter, in the Buccaneers. That tells us a lot more about you then perhaps you want our listeners to know but I can't believe that both of you aren't talking about the fact that everything was there there was a bit of pole dark broody on the cliffs you know the Duke of Tintagel you know obviously the Darcy figure the coming out of the ocean waves you know they didn't even bother with the shirt Colin Firth at least wore a shirt you know he's got as to your point Hannah he's stripped down to the waist you know um I, you know, I feel like the Gilded Age was so much better and more interesting than this. And I, it just felt like just everything had been thrown into the buccaneer, <laughs> a buccaneer. And I, I, it just felt ridiculous. I mean, it didn't feel like they had anything left to period drama about it. It does have Christina Hendricks in it, though. And that is that is one saving grace. I like the actress who plays Nan. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I thought she was really great. In fact, I'm going to just look up and see what her name is now because I thought that she was really a breath of fresh air. And I thought Christina Hendricks was really channeling what's the woman that you fancy in the Gilded Age? I don't know who you do. You Come on, the really rich one. They're all rich in the Gilded Co- Age. Ca- ca- <laughs> literally, the without exception, Cara, they're rich. No, Co- Carrie Coon. Carrie, Carrie Coon, Coons, you mean. Yeah. Yes. I thought that Christina Hendricks, even though I think she's gorgeous and delectable and, and mm. delicious, I, I just thought that she was channeling Carrie Coons. I think you've got to look at a, a piece like this in terms of the audience who it's aimed at. And I've seen it compared, for instance, to a series you I don't know if other of you know called Gossip Girl, which mm. Gossip Girl, my kids... Uh, at a certain time, watch Gossip Girl kind of on a loop because it just sort of hit them. It was like a bullseye in terms of their interests. And what this really is, I think, is Gossip Girl given a different wrapping and the wrapping is the wrapping of period drama and kind of Bridgerton. I think you could say it's a bit too much out of the Bridgerton playbook. You know, modern music clashing with the period setting, very modern characters who just happen to wear frocks and bonnets and so on. But I I mean, this is Apple TV who kind of know what they're doing and have Mm. made some brilliant drama. I look at this and think, 
It's not sort of for me, if I'm really honest, but I think it knows what it's doing and I think its audience might rather love it. By the way, the actress I love is called Christine Fruerseth and I know it's Fruer because she's got a line through the O like my name used to have. So she's clearly So this Scandi is a bit of Scandinavian yeah. solidarity here. Yeah, that's, that's why what's you're going saying on like here. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I just feel it's, it's very frothy. It's frothy, yes. The irony is, I've seen it said about The Gilded Age that it takes you into Edith Wharton's world, uh, you know, wrote The Age of Innocence. And of course, this is based on an Edith Wharton book, but I'm not sure Edith Wharton would recognise much of it because it's given, as we say, the, the full kind of modern how-to-do period drama by changing everything about it, the music, the look of it. Now, that's fine, and Bridgerton did it very well. It does the Buccaneers... Does it feel a bit too much as if it's trying to jump on the Bridgerton bandwagon? I, think I would argue it does. I think also it very heavily relies, and I can imagine why in Edith Wharton's day, on that contrast between the new world and the old world, between the Americans being brash and loud and modern and the Brits being reserved and snobby and dismissive of money but desperate for it sort of thing. And that to me feels also very old-fashioned now. I feel like she gave up writing this book because got bored and thought well, nothing or maybe, original or maybe here. She died. We don't really know. <laughs> maybe she we died. don't know enough about either one. It's, it's like Schubert's Unfinished Symphony. It is unfinished for a reason. And yeah. actually, am I right in thinking that a few years ago, I think ITV took the unfinished Jane Austen novel Sanditon and turned it into a period drama. There's obviously a vogue for taking unfinished... I suppose if it's unfinished, you've got because a bit of freedom, haven't you? You can do what you like material, with it. that's why. Well, and, yeah, but there's plenty but of finished su- novels out there you could adapt. But it wasn't successful either, so well, maybe well, there's well, a well, lesson, well. which is leave unfinished novels alone. I don't think this is really the issue here, the finished or unfinished nature of it. I don't think that's the kernel mm. of the issue here. It's Does it work in its own... In its own right. And I think I'm saying, well, I don't know that it's quite original enough in a post-Bridgerton world, but it might make some people happy. All episodes of The Buccaneers are available on Apple TV Plus now. Hannah, before we let you go, what do you normally watch? What have you been watching that you really like? Or have we just given you a chance to watch some telly and you haven't been watching any recently? No, I've been watching Couples Therapy. Have you seen Couples Therapy? No. Oh, my God. It's so good. Okay, we've got to watch that, Peter. Come on, tell us. I think it was HBO originally, but it's on uh, BBC iPlayer at the moment. Essentially, it's a New York psychiatrist's office and it's completely real. Everything is real and it's lit beautifully. So you sort of forget that it's real. You sort of think that you're watching some kind of strange comedy show. But uh, essentially, the idea is the therapist, uh, you know, that the couples come to her and she sort of believes that when you look at people's backstories, that you understand the, the problems that they're having now. But the casting in it is superb. It's just superb. So it opens with a couple where the guy is complaining because his partner had organized a threesome for him for his birthday party but she'd been so focused on making sure that the threesome was going to be absolutely perfect that she hadn't paid him enough attention in the run. <laughs> <laughs> so he decided, he decided he was very cross about it and took his passport and just disappeared to Italy <laughs> and so it's sort of unpicking that it's 
fascinating. Peter's looking a little bit concerned. No, I'm not. Here. No, no, no. I want to ask you a question, Hannah. Do you think if you watch couples therapy, uh-huh. you're more or less likely to go to couples therapy <laughs> as a result? Is it an advert for couples therapy? Or does it put you off it and think, under no circumstances? I don't think it puts you off it. I, I sort of think that it's very, very interesting for people, whether they've already had therapy or not. Because I think if you have had therapy, as I have had, you uh, see the language and the tricks that are being used in a different way because it's not you that's being verified, right? Yes. Um, but then I also think that if you are, if you haven't had therapy and you're watching, I do actually think they get to like some really, I think people do make little breakthroughs. I think people do sort of understand themselves better through the conversations that they're having. So I thought, sort of think it is an advert for therapy, actually. But it's also I, an advert for extremely bonkers people. <laughs> so I think we should watch couples therapy. I'm fascinated by the idea of that. And also, who knows, if we carry on like this, we might we need might couples up, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> you think there could be a specialist branch of it called podcast couples therapy, specifically for presenters of podcasts who really need a little bit of expensive kind of, you know, working out. Of- need some professional. Help. With excellent lighting. Exactly. Sadly, we don't have that at the moment. No, Gosh, we're sitting in the shed. Such a pleasure to have Hannah on the podcast, hasn't it? Particularly since you've left us with a TV gem mm. to seek out for next week. I'm really excited. Me too. Oh, thank you very much for having me, both of you. We're particularly keen to hear from you, our listeners, about what you've been watching, what you've hated, what you've loved what we're missing or getting wrong. So you can send us an email, you can get in touch via our socials, or you can WhatsApp us. All the info is in the description. We would very much like to hear from you, even if you just want to make fun of Peter, or you can make fun of me. I don't mind. I'm not going to discriminate here. I'd be thrilled to read all those messages. Well, I'll I'll read the ones that make fun of you. That's all right with you. Well, thank you for listening and thank you to Hannah for being such a great guest. If you've enjoyed the show, please do follow Have You Seen wherever you get your podcasts. Do join us next week when we're doing a special on The Crown. and We'll be joined by the man behind the show, the executive producer, Andy Harris. If you've got any Crown questions for Andy, do send those in and we'll put as many of them to him as we can. Thank you for listening. See you next Thursday. See you next week. 